Yes, 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 yes. We are bike. I'm ready to make my triumphant return to the television. Mama, we made it. The reports, the rumors are true. Your man's caught the COVID big time. That shit was no fucking joke. Nearly put me in a coffin. Not actually. I didn't go to the hospital or nothing because I fucking couldn't. I was in bed for about three, four straight days. So if you're wondering where I was the last couple days, the last week or so, uh, which I'm assuming no one actually was. But if you're one of like the 11 people that were, that's what happened. I fucking made a video last week. Bro, I was talking about like having caffeine withdrawals. I'm actually about to like break out right now. I feel my face getting super hot and red. So we are not at all over COVID yet. We are still very symptomatic, but we need we need to get the ball rolling again. I need to start living life again. Uh, we're here to talk all about week two. A lot of nonsense happened in week two. We're here to talk about the lessons learned, some of the waiver wire pickups. Tomorrow, I will be going over. Uh, I will be dropping two individual videos, one for running backs on the waiver wire, one for wide receivers on the waiver wire. So that's going to be the schedule going forward. We're going to have the long recap live stream like this today that y'all are joining me for right now. Uh, and again, if anyone wants to be a fucking legend for the second week in a row and put timestamps as you're going through the video, that would be amazing. I will pin that comment for everybody else. So someone, beautiful people out there, just timestamp whatever spews out of my mouth. And I know I talk really fast, so I apologize for that. Uh, so yeah, I, I've uh, I have COVID. I tested positive on Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, whenever it was, and uh, could barely fucking move for about two or three days. I had just about every single flu symptom that you can have: headaches. My eye- eyeballs felt like they were touching each other. Like nothing coming in and out of the nose. It was like a it was like a bridge where there was this fucking suicide jumper. No traffic coming in or out. Uh, my entire body was a. I now I know what like AJ Green and Todd Gurley feel like permanently uh, because that's how I felt the last couple of days. And just everything was so achy. It was so, I have my bean bag in my corner of my room right now because this was the only place I could comfortably sleep. Uh, I have zero taste or smell. I can't taste a single thing, which is low key, probably the most depressing part of the entire COVID thing. Like you can't, you just, you know, what's it's like, you could be sick, right? Being sick is like cool sometimes, right? You can admit it. It's it's kind of nice to be sick and not have any responsibilities and not and just know that it doesn't matter what you're doing because you're just chilling, right? You get to catch up on some Netflix. You get to binge watch some shows. You get to order some good food. Except, bam, you can't order any food. I mean, you can't order food. I've ordered a lot of food for no fucking reason because I can't taste it. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Uh, so hopefully we're, we're definitely on the right side of things, but it definitely got bad. So be careful out there, everybody. Please, if you're in crowded areas. Continue to wear a mask because you don't want to end up like I did. I was, uh, I got the vaccine, double, double fucking vaxxed up, cheeked up on a fucking Tuesday morning. They hit me with the positive. So um, that does not mean you cannot catch it, obviously, as this is very well known and documented. Let's talk about week three. You know, we got to tuck our shirts in, of course. You know what I found 
interesting. Actually, fuck that. Whatever. We'll get into week two. Week two, week three. Let's go. Let's let's start off with injuries. And I guess you could start the timestamps here. If uh, if anyone out there is doing the timestamps, thank you. Um, let's actually talk, just talk about week one and week two, just like overreactions to begin with. This is why everyone tells you not to overreact to week one. The way I like to look at week one and week two in terms of how we project things going forward is look at what happened in week two and then imagine that what happened in week two actually happened in week one and then think about how you'd be thinking about those players differently, right? Like the Bengals, right? Coming off of week one, everyone's like, oh, their offense is fine. Joe Burrow's fine. Everything's going to be fucking fine. All the pass catchers are really good. This week, they get absolutely clobbered. Their offensive line gets demolished. Joe Burrow ends up with some stats at the end of the game, whatever. Uh, but they look terrible, right? And if that game had happened in week one, we probably would have been like, this is an offense to absolutely avoid. Uh, and right now you're sitting somewhere in between because you saw the differences of both sides. So that's the way I like to look at things. Like look at week two and then based on what you saw, because week one is always going to have such a stranglehold on the way you think about players and the way you think about analysis going forward. Flip what, what happened in week two to week one and then think about it that way. Think about what your reaction would have been if this had happened in week one because you would have overreacted to it. So now find the middle ground between week one and week two and go forward with it, right? For instance, the Bengals are an example. Here, here's another example on like a player-specific level is a guy like Terrace Marshall. When we're talking about the beginning of the year, it's really important to churn the bottom of your roster because you want to continue to give yourself high upside options on the bottom of it and we're going to figure out really quickly whether or not we want to keep these players, okay? So a guy like Terrace Marshall on the Panthers, some of you guys might have drafted him as a high upside receiver in you know, the 12th or 13th round. And in week one, he runs around on 66% of their plays. He out-targets Robbie Anderson, puts up like decent production on the field. So you're like, okay, that's not fantasy-relevant production, but if the playtime goes up or if he gets more production or something, he's a guy that we want to hold on to because he's got some chance of you know being this year's Justin Jefferson or breaking out or whatever the case may be. Uh, and then week two happens, okay? And didn't have any real production. He runs around on 55% of his plays. Uh, 55% of the the routes he sees. So he actually goes down from week one to week two. Clearly still the wide receiver three behind Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. So we would have, he's a guy now that I'm very comfortable dropping because we know what his role is, right? We didn't see his role increase. We didn't see his production increase. We would have needed to see him run more routes, right? Go up from 66 to 75 and Robbie Anderson dip from 95 to 83 or something like that. Or we would have seen Terrace Marshall again see like seven or eight targets and catch five to seven. Like that's a guy, those are the things that we're looking for early on, especially with these young wide receivers. Are they running more routes? Are they putting up more production? Are they starting to leapfrog the guys that are the depth chart above them? Terrace Marshall not doing so. So we can kind of move on from a guy like Terrace Marshall. But you want to keep churning high upside players on the bottom of your roster week in, week out, depending on what they're doing early on in the beginning of thy year. And I'm still, again, I'm still not even close to 100% right now. So if, like, my brain just stops working at any point, would be on par for the most part. But this is a big injury slated week. Not hard to see coming because week one, only a few injuries, which naturally means 72 injuries needed to occur in week two. And that certainly happened, a lot of them to the quarterback position. So we'll run down them really quickly. What I would say uh, to you guys out there, just in terms of, like, a personal 
uh, or getting getting better at being a, a fantasy player. Here are a couple of the resources that I really like to use. So we will share the screen. Um, you can go on profootballdoc.com and sign up for a free account. And he basically tr uh, tracks all of the injuries that happen throughout the week. And he updates them in real time. As you can see, like Deontay Johnson's news just broke like an hour ago. He's already got a little write-up on it. And you can always check out the Fantasy Doctors YouTube channel. They do instant reactions to it. So when we're talking about injuries... I'm basically straight up just um, plagiarizing what they all say. So we will do our best to kind of run through the injuries for the week and let you know uh, what kind of impact they're going to have. So if Andy Dalton with his knee injury, uh, I don't think we know the severity of it. It could be MCL, it could be ACL, but I believe he probably avoided something like a torn ACL, so it might not be a long-term injury. Justin Fields came in. This is the big news, right? We were waiting on what would happen with Justin Fields. Are they ever going to let him fucking rip? And then Andy Dalton gets hurt. So they don't have to actually make that choice. Now, Justin Fields looked terrible throwing the ball. Okay, it was like four four to five yards per attempt. I'm not going to take a one-half sample size and tell you that's what we're going to get for the rest of the season. The big news and the reason that we loved him so much in fantasy, the guy played a limited game and, and carried the ball over 10 times. Okay, so if Justin Fields is available on your waiver wire, he is to be picked up immediately. Okay. Cause Justin Fields is going to, right. He might not even be good through the air. His offensive line might not hold up around him. Uh, the weapons might not be getting open for him. doesn't really matter. Okay. Because he's going to run the ball 12 plus times a game. And that's going to end up leading to a lot of like what we saw from Jalen hurts at the end of last year, where he could be a top 10 quarterback, without being good through the air, without looking good through the air. We don't need any of that, right? It's the reason we fucking drafted him in, in fantasy. So pick up Justin Fields, obviously. Tua Tagliavola, uh, rib injury. This is this is like, you know, you know you're not really rostering Tua at this point right now because he just stinks and his offense kind of stinks. The offensive line stinks. And with the rib injury, this is not supposed to be serious. It's going to be a pain tolerance thing. thing. So he can actually play next week against Las Vegas, which would be a nice matchup for him. Uh, if Jacoby Brissett plays, I don't think you could start anyone from this offense all the way to the fucking, I mean, Miles Gaskin might be like a flex play if you want to, but this is kind of what I was saying about Miles Gaskin all, all off season, uh, was that this was going to be a committee and you guys just kept yelling that he's the most talented. It's not going to be a committee. Those two things don't fucking matter. Usually that's the problem in fantasy football. A lot of the time, it doesn't matter if you're the most talented player in the backfield. If the coach has already shown that they're going to use a committee, if they're going to give Salvin Ahmed half the snaps, if they're going to give Malcolm Brown half the snaps, and they're going to give Miles Gaskin a third of this, like it's 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 a problem. And now Jacoby Brissett looked horrible. This offense was so bad under Brissett that if he's under center, I don't see how you can start anybody. Uh, but again, it's a pain tolerance thing, so they can give him a shot. He can put a fucking flak jacket on or whatever and roll out there. But I have very very little confidence in this Miami. Dolphins offense at this point for fantasy. Tyrod Taylor injured his hamstring, which you hate to see because him and Brandon Cooks were cooking, man. They were they were doing they were doing things. Things were happening in Houston, which was far beyond fucking microscope that anybody could have seen going into the year. Uh, he's already been ruled out for week three. They play on Thursday night football. Davis Mills will take over. He looked horrible as well. Panthers D, who they're playing on Thursday night, has looked ferocious. You can't start anybody on that Houston offense in week three. Carson Wentz, um, this has turned into like a movie scene. Carson Wentz has supposedly injured both of his ankles. At this point, he went down. Aaron Donald basically sat on him, and he looked like he was, I don't know, some kind of insta-thought doing or gym stretches or something where the foot went 
like backwards. He was doing like a V shape. It wasn't good. It didn't look good. Uh, and he missed. I thought he was going to be warming up on the sideline. I thought he was going to come back in. Didn't do so. <coughs> didn't do so. So didn't have to do with the foot that he was rehabbing all offseason. But again, two ankle sprains, I believe. And we don't know the exact severity of it yet. Uh, but there's a very real possibility that he does miss time, if not multiple weeks. So you're going to have to sit on that and see what happens there. If Carson Wentz is out and Jacob Eason is in, this is obviously a huge downgrade, which unfortunate because we just saw Michael Pittman kind of go nuts and he was looking like he was on path to be a breakout in his second year. This obviously hurts Jonathan Taylor. I think this would probably just lead to their off. I'll tell you what, their offensive line has looked horrible. Like really, really, really bad. It's it Carson Wentz is under pressure on every single play. He, I, honestly, he's looked relatively speaking compared to what the fuck he could possibly do out there. I don't know what quarterback could play well behind that offensive line right now. He's got pressure in his face on nearly every every play, and he's making plays out there with his legs, making it with his arm. Uh, but their offensive line is getting him absolutely killed. So I blame them for this shit. I blame Aaron Donald for being Aaron Donald as well. Uh, so Jacob Eason coming in, I mean, it's hard to, you, you can't start any of the pass catchers there. No way. Uh, you could start Jonathan Taylor as someone that they'll probably rely on a little bit more, but he's nothing more than like a low end RB two high end flex play right now. If Jacob Eason is in under center, Visca is dealing with some sort of, I believe there was an update on this very recently. Give me a second to scour Twitter for it. Jaguars wide receiver LaVisca Chenault, who injured his shoulder during Sunday's loss to Denver, is expected to be able to play Sunday at home versus Arizona per Urban Meyer. All right, well, Urban Meyer is a fraud and a farce, so I don't believe anything that comes out of his mouth. But it seems like it's uh, nothing nothing big here, nothing to worry about. Should have been nice for Marvin Jones and DJ Chark to get a little bit more of a uh, consolidated target share there. But it seems like Visca is going to be fine. He's going to be able to play, and he's going to be sitting on your bench. Visca is honestly a guy that I'm fine dropping at this point. He is getting a decent amount of play time, but he's not one of the top wide receivers on the outside, and his average depth of target has been like negative two yards at this point. They're only using him as a gadget. This is my concern going into the year. He was on the must-fade list uh, for these reasons, because I don't trust fucking Urban Meyer. Y'all are lucky out there that Travis Etienne was not a redraft pick, because a lot of people would have would have wasted a lot of draft capital on this guy because him and Visca would have just been fucking doing dance moves in the background, in the, in the backfield together. They would have been having fucking dance battles in the backfield together, doing absolutely nothing behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, so Visca is a guy that's certainly droppable in my eyes because his offense just looks like a shit show as we expected it to look. And uh, Visca is just getting no valuable targets whatsoever. Jarvis Landry, sprained MCL, considered week to week. Uh, could be mild, could be kind of moderate. We saw Nick Chubb, his teammate last year, have it, and that's what caused him to miss like five to six weeks last year. Jarvis is not a guy who misses time. Um, you know, he missed last year. He missed his first game in seven years. He played in 15 games last year. Every other season before that was 16 games. So respect to Jarvis, but he might not be able to pull through this one. His teammate, uh, if he does play, like he's probably going to be limited and he's not really someone I'm looking to get into my lineup right now which hurts Baker because at this point he's got no weapons to throw to because Odell keeps missing time. I'm, I'm really glad that all you guys that keep telling me that Odell has this crazy, crazy upside are finally cashing in on it. He's been, he's the upside he's given you these first two weeks has just been fucking nuclear. So you guys can just keep 
uh, fucking rolling them out into your lineups for the people that aren't lunatics. I'm sitting Odell. I'm sitting like they, he keeps getting ruled out early in the week. And maybe they push him to be back this week because Jarvis Landry misses time. I don't trust him for a fucking second. I don't trust him. I don't trust him at all. I trust the government more than I trust Odell Beckham at this point. So we've got Jarvis week to week with the sprained MCL. We've got Odell Beckham year to year with just being a bad football player. And then Deontay Johnson, knee, last play of the game. I mean, it's also last play of the game, also like every play of the game of every week of every game. Deontay Johnson, the dude just gets hurt on every play. It's really actually out of control. He's, he's like the Josh Jacobs of wide receivers at this point. Literally can't play a game without limping off. Another big target game. I think he had he went nine for 85 or something like that. So Deontay's playing like who we think he is. Man, get this dude a fucking quarterback. Deontay Johnson might actually be like Stefan Diggs in disguise. But we'll never find out with Big Ben under center. The report on Deontay Johnson right now, not serious, not long-term. Uh, his status for week three against Cincy is to be determined still. Supposedly not too worrisome. Um, it's worrisome if you own him. I'm not sure. You know, we'll have to obviously monitor reports, but it's going to be tough to start him if he is limited or if he doesn't practice at all this week. I would love Chase Claypool to also not have Big Ben thrown in the fucking ball. But if Deontay does miss this week, I think you could fire up Chase Claypool and feel pretty confident about it. He had a ton of air yards, just didn't connect, just missed connecting on like a 60-yarder down the field. Uh, I think those connections are coming maybe because Big Ben is just so untrustworthy at this point. So we have Big Ben, uh, Deontay Johnson, knee injury, nothing super, 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 super duper serious. We have Nicole, uh, Nico Collins, Danny Amendola, who gives a shit on Houston. Darrell Henderson, uh, rib injury. So this is a really interesting one from like a waiver wire perspective because up to this point, he had been the bell cow. Like Sony Michelle was not playing at all. He gets hurt. Sony Michelle comes in and plays basically every every play. Uh, there was a tweet that I had put on here somewhere. Where was it? Sony Michelle didn't have a single touch behind Darrell Henderson through three quarters on Sunday. Uh, Michelle who ended up with 10 carries for 46 yards all in the fourth quarter, was the only running back to touch the ball once Henderson left. So, Sonny Michel, absolutely, absolutely donuts prior to the Henderson injury. But th this is concerning from multiple fronts because, like, I don't think the Rams trusted Darrell Henderson to be the guy for the year. It's why they kept signing players and kept adding players to the practice squad, whatever. And it's why we never saw him get the load last year, even though Cam Akers was hurt and et cetera, et cetera. This just should put even less trust into into Darrell Henderson. And can you can you knock Sean McVay for not trusting Henderson to stay healthy because the guy fucking can't stay healthy? So I think this is like a twofold thing where if he misses time, obviously Sony Michelle is going to take over and probably becomes one of the premier waiver wire ads of the week. What I will say, what I will say to pump the brakes a little bit on the waiver wire ad, it's like yes, it's nice to have the starting running back here, but this is a team who is top five in pass rate top five in pace. So they are looking to air the ball out. They're looking to throw, 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 throw. And I don't blame them with Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup firing on all cylinders. So it's not like Sony Michelle is going to be heavily involved in the passing game. It's not like Sony Michelle is going to have a ton of carries because that's just not what the offense is at this point. Uh, but obviously you want to own him. He could be a low-end RB2 or something for you if he rolls into the end zone. Then he's going to look pretty good in your lineup. But we don't really have a lot, a lot to go off of on the Darrell Henderson rib Injury. We have a lot to talk about in the San Francisco 49ers bike field, though. So we had Elijah Mitchell, who ends up with 17 carries, ends up with a lot of uh, volume, not a lot of production. He didn't get, end up getting into the end zone, which kind of saved days. But 
he leaves with a shoulder injury. A couple plays later, Jamichael Hasey leaves with an ankle injury. A couple plays later, Trey Sermon comes in for his first career carry, has a nice little run, and then just gets walloped. He takes fucking hate. It's like Mike Tyson was standing there waiting. One, two, three. He got hit in the head like four times on one individual run and was just down, just dead in a coffin at the end of the run, uh, which is believed to be some sort of neck or con a concussion symptoms uh, type injury. So we'll have to wait on word from Trey Sermon in camp. I would say it's 50-50 that he plays next week if it is a concussion because that's typically what happens. 50 to 60% of players who suffer concussion on Sunday are able to play uh, the next week, following week. Uh, Jamichael Hasey, I don't believe, returned. Elijah Mitchell did come in, come back in. So he had a shoulder stinger, came back in, so I expect him to be fine. So you're firing him up in week three. I believe the 49ers are playing against the... Uh, give me a second while I pull up this game. Might ship. Against the Packers. So we'll see how the Packers fare tonight before we write them off as a shitty run defense. But that's going to be a lot of scoring. And if Elijah Mitchell is like one of the only healthy running backs, yeah, you got to you gotta fire him up with confidence. Josh Jacobs dealing with every injury south of his waist right now. This could be a multi-week injury. We saw Kenyon Drake and Peyton Barber split the backfield. It's just not really a backfield I want any part of right now. And James O'Shaughnessy, the tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars, who got a little waiver wire buzz going into the week, uh, played about three snaps, caught a 24-yard catch on one of those snaps, and then got hurt. So I think he's going to be out next week, or at least for multiple weeks or some shit, but not like a guy you were starting in 12-team lineups. Anyways, no one gives a shit. Uh, lastly, we could talk about Pittsburgh and their entire defense. Joe Hayden, Devin Bush, TJ Watt now out, has a chance of playing. But like, this is a team that you should keep an eye on on their defense because it's normally a team that you kind of – fade away from if you are an opposing offense because they're so good on defense but all the players that are so good on defense aren't gonna be playing defense so just a quick notes all right let's jump into the game by game recap for you peasants out there how is everybody doing in the chat how are we Whew. let me just take a quick breather i hope somebody's been putting in timestamps. that would be lovely that would be lovely and you know what else is lovely can i tell you what else is lovely this pristine crispy black shirt you know where it's from it ain't from hanes it ain't from fruit of the loom nothing wrong with fruit of the loom listen there's guys that don't do much for you and there's guys that elevate the offense right like sony michelle he's a fruit of the loom he's a hanes he can get the job done when you need him to but then there are the Cam Akers is of the world, who elevates, who elevates, right? They take you to the next level. That's what the shirt is. That's what cuts clothing is, all right? We're going to cut in. Come on. Jamon Lee, yes, sir. Cutsclothing.com is beautiful. It's wonderful. It's sleek. You could use it, you know, during the football time of the year, we got a lot of shit going on. You know what? Back to me. Camera one. Camera one, back to me. Thank you. A lot of shit going on, right? Sometimes you're watching football at your buddy's house. Sometimes you're out at a bar. Sometimes you're out at the tailgate. Sometimes you're pumpkin picking apple. I don't know what you weird fucking wives out there are making guys do nowadays, but you need shirts that are versatile. You need shirts that are comfortable. You need shirts that allow you to move and be free flowing like Rondell Moore. Okay. And that's what cuts clothing brings to y'all. They have like very minimal design, which is my favorite part of cuts clothing and my favorite type of clothing as you see i'm usually wearing plain clothes and they have every type of 
stitch. They have every type of length. They have long sleeve. They have T-shirts. They have V-necks. They have hoodies. It's all really, really, really high quality. That you you can wear this black T-shirt literally anywhere. You could wear it cooking. You could wear it to a restaurant. You could wear it cooking players on the field. I wouldn't be surprised if some of the players wore cuts clothing undershirts under their uniforms because it's comfy it's breathable and it's beautiful and because cuts loves bdge and they love y'all they gave me a 15 percent discount code all right so you're gonna go on cutsclothing.com you could just go to cutsclothing.com forward slash big dogs or you could just use the promo code big dogs on cuts clothing to get 15 percent off all right i love these shirts the henleys are coming in for the winter you want to look classy? You want to look a little sexy? They've got different colors. They've got different sizes. Again, y'all, cutsclothing.com. Use promo code BIGDOGS when you check out for 15% off your purchase. Fuck, I love cuts. And I love y'all. Fight to the games. All right, so we have the Giants and the Washington football team. That was Thursday night. I don't. Uh, we definitely didn't talk about it because I haven't been on a video in a while so if we look at the box score taylor heineke replaced ryan fitzpatrick and to be honest with you like man taylor heineke ruins this fucking offense he made a couple good he made a couple good plays i think he brings down basically everyone in this offense you could say terry mclaurin had a monster day uh terry mclaurin is good in this offense because terry mclaurin is good like he's gonna get his regardless the big storylines coming out of this game were one Antonio Gibson. Here's what I'll say, y'all. Like, I am the least bit surprised about the usage we saw between Antonio Gibson and Jaden Gizek. Like, Antonio Gibson, 13 for 69 on the ground, 5.3 yards per carry, was the primary ball carrier. Jaden McKissick, six targets. Antonio Gibson, only two targets. When you look at the context of what happened in the game, um, also shout out to snacks for getting on freezing cold takes on their Twitter and Instagram for thinking that the giants won the game. That was, that was incredible. Cause I fell asleep that night at like 10 PM and woke up to about 5,000 tags of snacks being on freezing cold takes. It was one of the best mornings of my life. Well, you have to understand we knew this during the preseason. Like I drafted Antonio Gibson and Etown get down damn well, knowing that JD McKissick was going to have a big pass catching role. JD McKissick is the four and two minute drill guy. Okay. Uh, so J.D. McKissick had a goal line carry because it came within the two-minute drill. You have to understand that his role is unfucking equivocally the two- and four-minute drill running back, okay? Like, that's not changing. Antonio Gibson's not getting that role. That's J.D. McKissick's role. And with that, if things happen, if the quarterback decides to throw to the running back, in the two minute or four minute drill. If they get a goal line carry within the two or four minute drill, that is going to JD McKissick. Okay. If they're in the two minute drill and there's 32 seconds left and they're on the four yard line, they're not swapping out Gibson for JD McKissick. It's not happening. Like you have to understand that. And there are going to be games where that's simply just what happens. So it's unfortunate, but you have to know that with Gibson. So this kills everyone in the offense besides Terry McLaurin, pretty much. And so you know, Gibson, honestly, I don't really give him a downgrade. He's It's exactly what I kind of expected. He's going to have these up and down games. On the flip side, Saquon Barkley will have 10 days of rest. And uh, and that should be good things for his knee. And they get the Falcons. So that's basically the antidote to every terrible fantasy performance. So uh, I expect bigger and better things week three going forward. If you're going to buy Saquon, now's the time to do it. But anyone who fucking drafted Saquon's not selling him with the Falcons on the horizon. Can't stand people who are like, Now's the time to buy low. Like, he was a bad first round pick. You can admit it if you drafted him in the first round. Like, his first two games were shit. 
but I think you should have known that that was going to happen. All right, Bengals and the Bears. Again, this was an absolute kind of implosion for the Bengals offense. Uh, luckily, we got all the wide receivers that were probably in your lineup having a decent, decent day. Nothing really to take away from here. Uh, Joe Mixon is going to have these days, man. This is exactly what we said all offseason. Like, he doesn't have the ceiling. People act like he has a top five ceiling, but he does just, he does not because he's going to have a lot of these games. Yes, it's nice to get 100% of the running back carries, but um, but the offensive line stinks, and the offense is going to stink a lot of games. So, so a very similar line between Joe Mixon and David Montgomery, 20 for 69, 20 for 61. Obviously, again, Justin Fields, one of the big pickups for your squad. Nothing else really going on in this game. Oh, we've got the titty or committee sheets going out to all Patreon members, going out to all big dog members. You could sign up at bdge.store forward slash committee. This will have all of my weekly rankings. This will have the titty or committee sheet, which is basically statistics for every backfield right now. Weekly, we will be putting up the snaps, the snap rate, carries, rushing yards, red zone carries, goal line carries, receiving yards, total yards, targets, receptions, routes run, slot snaps, out wide snaps for every backfield in the NFL. We got fake intern Tony working hard on that behind the scenes. That should be live for all you uh, Discord members and Big Dog members within the next, by the time I'm probably off this live stream. We will be able to filter it. Actually, I don't want to filter it while he's doing it right now. But yes, Joe Mixon had a 90.2% snap rate. He took all of the carries. He Let's see. Had 23 routes run compared to Samaji P. Ryan's three. Six routes from the snap uh, from the slot, which is actually a pretty nice seven out wide snaps. Wow. So Mixon ran 23 routes, 13 of them coming from the slot or out wide, which is big, which is which is huge. But he didn't fucking catch any of his targets, so that was not fun to see. <clears throat> Joe Mixon. Explosion games are probably coming, but I think we know what we're getting from a guy like Joe Mixon. All right, let's move over to. Texans, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get to this video. Fuck, I'm lightheaded. Whew. Texans, Browns, big takeaway again is the injury to the quarterback position in Tyrod Taylor. Can't start anybody in Houston. Cleveland, the injuries again. Can't really start anyone in, uh, in Cleveland outside of the running backs. Both of them find, uh, oh, Kareem Hunt had 14 touches. Nick Chubb, only 12, but breaks away a 26-yard touchdown, which was sexy to see if you are a Chubb owner. But, yeah, nothing much to really take away from there. Rams-Colts, Cooper Cup keeps cementing himself as the top five fantasy wide receiver. This is kind of why we told you all 255 times to be drafting Cooper Cup over Robert Woods. Uh, that turned out to be the right play. Robert Woods, are we worried? I mean, you could sit here and say you're not worried, but if I owned him, it's really hard to have any confidence in a man because Matt Stafford – looks to Cooper Cup on like every fucking play. And Robert Woods' targets are just not valuable targets down the field. Uh, so Robert Woods is more of like a, a a flex play right now. I think you, you keep rolling him out there because, again, this team is top five in pass rate. They're top five in pace. So they're going to keep running a lot of plays and they're going to keep passing the ball a lot. So Cooper Cup is a wide receiver one without a doubt right now. And Robert Woods is more of like a flex play. On the flip side of things, again, everything's going to come down to Carson Wentz's injury status. If Michael Pittman is available sitting on your waiver wire and Carson Wentz is not injured, he's obviously one of the top priority ads. 12 targets, 8 receptions, season or career high, 123 yards. Getting all the valuable targets, man. Getting the 
red zone targets, getting the downfield targets, getting the possession targets, is everything going towards Michael Pittman. Had 12 of Carson Wentz's 31 pass attempts go his way. Jonathan Taylor doing a lot of what we saw Jonathan Taylor do a lot of last year, and that's not get involved in the passing game and look shitty on the ground. Got stuffed on the goal line like six times, and I know a lot of you guys are going to skew that stat to be like, he leads the NFL in goal. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty. That means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Goal line carries. Well, if he just had fucking gotten in on one of the goal line carries, then he would have had like four or fewer goal line carries and then wouldn't lead the NFL in goal line carries. So that's not actually a good statistic to be using. Jonathan Taylor, if Wentz is out, again, low-end RB2. Bills, Dolphins. Let's run it. I'm just going to open all these in new tabs, and we're just going to run train on them. Ooh, boy. Skirt. Oh, let me get the banner off the screen. First up, we got the Bills and the Dolphins, man. Josh Allen, what you doing, bro? What you doing? Uh, okay, Devin Singletary busts out this 46-yard run and looks pretty shitty after that. I think he had like 12 carries for 36 yards after that 46-yard run. So Singletary is actually a buy high for, or a sell high for me right now, looking like the running back one there. But I think Zach Moss is going to continue to gain a little bit of steam. He had two goal line carries, so I think, Zach Moss is the goal line back still here, even though this is his first game active, and he got a lot of his carries in garbage time, second half. I know that, but I think Moss will continue to eat a little bit more into Singletary's work. Not that I'm excited about either of them, but anytime Devin Singletary can score a touchdown, uh, it's probably time to sell that man. Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs connection is still very much alive. Emmanuel Sanders to me is still the second wide receiver there to own. He's running a ton of routes. He's running the most routes on the team. He's playing the most snaps. Uh, he had six targets, seeing a lot of air yards. They're just not forming into production, which is kind of the entire passing offense right now. But we're not really going to worry about that because they killed him. And most of the time in the second half was just running the clock. Again, we're waiting for the Tua injury news to see whether or not he's going to play this week. But Hard to start anybody with confidence. I will say Jalen Waddle is one of the most intriguing waiver wire pickups this week. Uh, he's super explosive, obviously. He has 14 targets through the first two games. So heavily involved. We'll have to see what Will Fuller's fucking whole deal is right now. Uh, they said some weird shit last week. You know, we knew he was out for personal reasons this week. And then Brian Flores declined to comment on whether or not he'd be back with the team this year. So not this week, but this year, and he wouldn't comment on that, uh, which was sus, very sus. I don't know what that means if there was like a, a death in the family and it was someone super close to him. I don't know if he was like going to rehab or some shit. The way he made it sound was very, very weird. Uh, so Will Fuller, we have no idea what his status is going to be for week three. If he's not in the lineup, Jalen Waddle, man, definitely needs to be picked up because he's running a lot of plays, playing as a full-time player, uh, and if... Kobe Brissett is in. He's probably going to be taking a lot of dump offs, and that's what Waddle's going to do in the slot there. 
Patriots versus Jets. Mac Jones just taking absolutely no shots downfield. Uh, really hard to trust anyone in this passing game. Jacoby Myers was a guy that I was really, really high on going into the year. He's getting a lot of targets. He continues to lead the team in targets, but none of them are valuable. So for right now, I'd sit on him for one more week, see if anything comes from the Patriots offense, the passing offense. If he does nothing in the third week, he's probably droppable. And uh, from the running back front, Damian Harris, just just un, just unreal effort on his touchdown run. He had a 26-yard touchdown run that, if you haven't seen it yet, might go down as the run of the year. He threw about six guys directly off of him. It was like it's it's like that question where people ask like a built like a built 30-year-old they're like how many 10-year-olds can you beat how many 10-year-olds could you kill you know in in 45 minutes or whatever like if there was a thousand five-year-olds would you be able to survive 30 minutes right if they were all trying to kill you and Damian Harris answered the question unequivocally yes he was just throwing dudes off of him it made absolutely no it was like NFL street the run looked like it was straight out of NFL street like they remade the game, let it run, simulated for one play, and it was a Damian Harris touchdown run. It was unbelievable. Zach Wilson just looked fucking putrid. It was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. Did his best Nathan, uh, Nathan Peterson impression through four uh, four interceptions. The one interesting takeaway here, and we're going to go back to the committee or titty sheet here to look at the Jets' backfield, was that Tevin Coleman is very droppable. Definitely, definitely able to drop Tevin Coleman. The running back situation here in the backfield in New York is a little bit interesting in terms of just the pecking order. Not interesting in terms, you can't trust anybody back there. We are not playing anybody back there. But snaps, Ty Johnson, 33, Michael Carter, 33, Tevin Coleman, 7. Okay, so Tevin Coleman just absolutely relegated to being irrelevant. Uh, We have, let's see, carries. Michael Carter had 11 for 59, so he looked good on the ground. Ty Johnson, 12 for 50, also looked good. Michael Carter had three targets, caught two of them for 29 yards. Ty Johnson did not have a target. So it looks like Michael Carter is getting a bigger and bigger role. The problem is, does that fucking matter in this offense? Probably not. So Ty Johnson is someone that I've been rostering on the bottom of my rosters. Again, I talk about churning. We need to be able to churn the bottom of our roster for high upside players. It doesn't look like Ty Johnson is not taking over the backfield, nor is he getting the relevant pass catching work. So he's not a high upside player at this point, especially not in this offense. Ty Johnson droppable. Michael Carter might be a guy that you want to pick up now. He was drafted by a lot of people, but after last week, the preseason weeks, maybe dropped. Uh, he's a guy that I'm intrigued to see if his role continues to grow and grow and grow, which it has been. So Michael Carter, interesting player, flashy player, elusive, um, someone to pick up on the waiver wire for sure this week. Uh, oh, also I, I skipped to the next game of 49ers Eagles, but the Jets wide receivers, just terrible game all around. Zach Wilson's going to throw four, four interceptions. I'd hold on to Elijah Moore one more week, running all the routes, playing in on full snaps, saw eight targets, if he puts up another dud game production wise next week, I don't give a fuck what his production or I don't give a fuck what his snap participation route participation is because Jameson Crowder is going to be back eventually. Uh, Elijah Moore is running all the snaps on the outside, which I don't know if that's going to be relevant for when Jameson Crowder comes back. But if he is still um, putting up zero production for you, I don't. It doesn't matter what kind of snaps he has. Eagles 49ers. Uh, told y'all to sell high on the Eagles skill players last week. And this is why I just don't think they're a very good team. Brandon Brooks, offensive lineman, one of the best got hurt. Don't know if he's going to play Jalen hurts. 
pretty terrible through the air, had the big connection with Quez Watkins for 91 yards, which boosted his stats. Otherwise, he'd have been under 100 uh, passing yards. But again, this is why you drafted him, because he had 82 yards on the ground and a touchdown right there is 14 points from your quarterback. We talked about the San Francisco 49ers backfield situation. It's a tough one to trust, but if Elijah Mitchell is playing, which he should be, if Hasty's out, Trey Sermon's out, I mean, you have to fire up Elijah Mitchell again. 49ers are playing against, who are they playing next week? I feel like we looked this up five times already. Play against the Packers. So, yeah, you, you fire him up. Jimmy G, ugly game. Uh, I don't I don't really think you could play Jimmy G in fantasy at all right now, even in super flex leagues. He got it done because he ended up getting a one-yard touchdown run that he stole from the running backs. Oh, Elijah Mitchell did not get in the end zone. I lied about that. So, it was Mitchell looked like he got in. Then Jimmy G took the carry. Um, So, you, you fire up Mitchell. You can't play Jimmy G. He basically had this rushing touchdown, which saved his day. Last week, he had the Debo yards after the catch, which saved his day. But on that note, Debo, bro, Debo has been an absolute menace to fucking society. And he is the clear wide receiver one on this offense right now. And you continue to fire him up as a top 20, top 15 play week after week. Next week, we'll see. You know, he plays against Jair Alexander for the most part. I actually want to see where he has been lining up. So one of the resources I use to see where a player uh, snap rates and where he's been lining up, oops, well, we'll talk about him in a sec, is PFF. If you have the premium stats package, you could look at snaps by position. Uh, yeah, so Devo's been a fully outside guy. Interesting. So he's not been playing most of the slot. He played 38 snaps out wide. He played 10 in the slot. So he will likely be getting mostly J.R. Alexander next week. So I would temper expectations, I guess, based on – how excited I just got. With Brandon Ayuk, we saw him climb the snap count ladder a little bit. He's a guy you're sitting on. You're definitely not starting him. I would not drop him yet. We just saw him jump Trent Shurfield in the snap count. Got a huge two targets, so let's give it up for Ayuk. We appreciate your effort, Brandon. You fucking asshole. Uh, two targets did, again, see a, a jump up in snap count, so that's you know what we want to see on the way there. I want to trust in the fact that he's just a great separator and route runner, and what we saw at the end of last year was not a fluke. I'm going to hold on for one more week, uh, and then we can reconsider what our stance on Brandon Ayuk is. After the Packers game, George Kittle, man, this is tough. If you drafted him in the second or third round, you're just you're just eating dirt right now. You continue to start him, unfortunately, but doesn't look like the production is going to match anytime soon with Jimmy G under center. On the flip side of things, I think you I think you pick up Kenny Gainwell. I think he is a waiver wire ad. Again, I'll be doing a full waiver wire ad video tomorrow with running backs, wide receivers, everybody, whatever, whatever, whatever. Kenny Gainwell is playing on a third of the snaps. He's got a very significant role in this offense, taking away from Miles Sanders, and he's playing a lot of the pass-catching downs. He's playing on a lot of third downs. He's playing in the two-minute, four-minute drills. Um, so if something were to happen to Sanders, which we've seen happen before, was already on the injury report with an ankle injury this week. Kenny Gainwell becomes one of the most coveted pickups in all of fantasy football. So I think he should be rostered at the end of 12-team leagues. Raiders-Steelers, again, want nothing to do with his backfield. Uh, Derek Carr just balling out. I guess Henry Ruggs, you could take a shot on him. I don't know, dude. I just feel like next week he's going to end up being fucking three for 47, zero touchdowns, and we're going to be having the same conversation we did last week. So I'm probably holding off on most of the Raiders for right now. Um, 
And yeah, I don't really want to own anybody besides Darren Waller in this offense and Derek Carr right now. On the flip side, Ben has looked terrible. Deontay Johnson is getting a shitload of targets, but he's got the knee injury. The running back group, again, like Najee Harris, is just dominating usage. 10 carries for 38 yards, five catches, 43 yards, and a touchdown, which is big. He had that really nice uh, 25-yard touchdown catch. But again, you know, I, I basically made the point all offseason that Najee Harris and um, Joe Mixon were pretty much the same player, and that's kind of what we saw this week. High volume usage. They're going to get basically all the running back snaps but their offense is not going to lend themselves to having ceilings, right? Like I said, I'd be very surprised if either of them cracked like the top eight. I'd be very surprised if either of them ended up falling outside the top, you know, 12 to 14 to 15 running backs this year. That's basically what we're seeing. I think we just need to adjust to that. Like they're just floor plays. Realistically, I'm sure they're going to give you fucking weeks where they have good games, but more often than not, they're going to get 18 touches. It's probably going to equate to like 75 to 85 yards. And you hope that they get into the end zone. Uh, Pat Firemouth is a interesting look right now because he's actually jumped over Eric Ebron in both production, but usage too. like he is running more routes. He's getting more snaps, which is something that you don't normally see with rookie tight ends. If Deontay Johnson is out, Pat Firemouth is like a decent long shot play. If you're in a two tight end league, if you're in a tight end premium league or something like that, he becomes an interesting guy to look at. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster still stinks. Saints Panthers. All right. So Jameis Winston basically threw for he basically threw for the same fucking amount of yards he had last week. He had 140 yards, but he had five touchdowns. This year, this week he had 111 yards. Oh boy, we were struggling. I need to get a water bottle. Um takeaways here are that <laughs> you literally don't want to own anybody on this team outside of Alvin Kamara. Marquez Callaway, I'll hold the big fucking L on that one. Droppable. Um, Tony Jones, if you have Alvin Kamara, you could hold on to him. Alvin Kamara, I'm not worried about. He'll be fine. He still led the team in carries, still led the team in um, in targets. This was just a horrible game for the Saints. Like I said at the beginning of the video, the Panthers' defense is low-key ferocious, man. They're low-key a very, very good offense. They've, they've put in so many draft picks into this offense over the last few years, and they're finally seeing it come to fruition. So this is a team that you got to be a little bit weary about if you got an offense going against them. But that's kind of what I'll chalk this up to. Christian McCaffrey, absolutely goaded. Sam Darnold, bro. Sam Darnold's a really good waiver wire pickup. Um, let me pull up a stat that I had here or something interesting. So Sam Darnold has finished as quarterback 16, quarterback 10 in his first two games with the Panthers. This is pre-Monday Night Football. So there's a chance he finishes outside uh, the top 10 after tonight with Rodgers going. Next six games, though, I mean, he's been he's been fine, right? Next six games, he's got the Texans, the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Giants, and the Falcons. I don't know if you could ask for an easier slate. So if you're desperate at quarterback um, or if you're in a super flex league and Sam Darnold's sitting there on the wire, like he is definitely a pickup worth considering. Again, Texans, Cowboys, Eagles, Vikings, Giants, Falcons. It is uh, pretty, pretty sexy out there for his lineups. Then you have the receiving group, bro, where it's – Oh, man, DJ Moore is looking like an alpha right now. DJ Moore has taken over as the clear number one for Sam Darnold. Uh, Robbie Anderson was a sell candidate for me after last week he was in the video, and this only strengthens the case. 
I mean, you can't really sell him. No one wants Robbie Anderson, but like, you, I don't see how you could start him in your lineup at all going forward, even against the Texans Cowboys. You, like, until until we see bigger usage, until we see him actually getting game planned into the game, until we see him having a consistent connection with Darnold, I don't know how you could start anybody besides DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey in this offense. Let's jump to the Broncos and Jags. Let's give a shout out to fucking Cortland Sutton. Welcome, Bike, my friend. Cortland Sutton, nine for 159 on 12 targets. So with Jerry Judy out, with Jerry Judy out, Teddy Bridgewater, man, shout out Teddy Bridgewater, 328 yards, two touchdowns, looking like an absolute snack right now. Teddy snacks water over here. Horrible fucking nickname. Worst thing that's ever came out of my mouth, arguably. There's been a lot of bad things that come out of my mouth. Teddy Bridgewater bowling, Cortland Sutton, my God, I, I believe I heard a stat somewhere today that Cortland Sutton had the single most air yards of any player over the last two seasons. Well, this season and last season. So one and one point fucking one, six seasons. He had a lot of air yards. Teddy was chucking it to him. He looked incredible. So welcome back to Corlin Sutton. Uh, Tim Patrick is the second wide receiver you want to own on this team. He actually led the team in snaps and routes run. Anytime this dude gets onto the field, like he's just called upon randomly, he gets it done. He's like, I tweeted this out. He is the Ryan Fitzpatrick of wide receivers, basically. It's Ryan Tim Patrick. That's what we're going to call him from now on. Only four targets, but again, he just the guy just gets into the end zone every time. Noah Fant is a guy that I said was a pretty good trade target because with Jerry Judy out, I mean, this offense gets very condensed in the passing game. It's Colton Sutton, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant. Those are the guys you want to own. Um, so Patrick, definitely a waiver wire target. Colton Sutton stocks all the way the fuck up. In terms of this backfield, it's playing out basically exactly like we talked about all offseason where it's going to be a committee, 13-13 carries each for Javante Melvin Gordon. This will eventually start to shift towards Melvin, uh, towards Javante Williams. It will eventually happen. Uh, Melvin Gordon seems to be a bigger pass catcher in the offense. I don't think he's ever going to get completely phased out, so I don't know if we're going to see the upside of Javante Williams that we want to see at least this year. I don't think he'll ever be a three-down back. I think he'll continue to see, you know, 50% of the opportunities, eventually that'll get up to 55, then eventually up to 60, and then we might see it capped somewhere in like the 60 to 63% range. On efficient days, he'll be usable, but for right now, you can't use anyone in this backfield confidently outside of like a desperate flex play because if they don't give you a touchdown, they're going to give you exactly what they've given you week in and week out, which is 65 total yards, basically. 65, 70 yards, uh, and that's it. Now, on the flip side, same thing, man. James Robinson's a guy you're holding on to. He's a guy you're holding on to. He finally played... Uh, the majority of the snaps in this one. After last week, we saw Carlos Hyde actually out-touch him, which is disgraceful by Urban Meyer, but not unsurprising whatsoever, given his lunatic behavior. Uh, we had James Robinson shoot up to 77.4% of the snaps. He had 11 carries compared to Carlos Hyde's just one. So that was big time to see. We had 22 routes run compared to nine for Carlos Hyde. So James Robinson took back over the backfield. Question becomes, does it fucking matter probably not this offense stinks trevor lawrence stunk yesterday uh and we're gonna see a lot of games like this so marvin jones continues to get absolutely peppered with targets he looks really good he is definitely a flex worthy player dj tark really disappointing game just four targets uh one catch 19 yards lavisca chanel again got hurt at seven targets how the fuck do you have seven targets and end up with negative three yards how does that happen I don't know, bro. I don't fucking know. I don't know, man. It's ugly out there. So uh, James Robinson is a very desperate flex play at this point. 
Marvin Jones is a better flex play. Javonta Williams and Melvin Gordon are both pretty desperate flex plays, but I might actually play both of them over James Robinson. Cortland Sutton, a sexy flex play. Everybody's just a fucking flex play. Anybody I don't feel like talking about is just a flex play, flex play, flex play. All right, Kyler fucking Murray, my number one must-draft player over the summer, is making me look really good right now. So shout-out to anybody who drafted him. I have him in so many underdog best ball drafts. Shout-out to me. Shout-out to y'all. Uh, shout-out to not me for taking Joe Mixon over Kyler Murray in the E-Town get-down draft. Not sexy. But Kyler Murray, another four touchdowns, one through the ground, three through the air, 400 receiving yards, or 400 passing yards. The big takeaway here is obviously Rondell Moore, man. Rondell Moore is so sexy on the field. Rondell Moore, man, for those of y'all that don't know who this kid is, a lot of you guys are just getting into season-long shit. Rondell Moore is one of the most elite athlete prospects that we have seen come out in a long time. Like, when you see this page, you're not going to gasp because no one fucking gasps in real life. But this dude ran a 4-3-7, 4-3-2 at the pro day, which we adjust to 4 3 7 96th percentile burst score, 94th percentile agility. So your eyes are not deceiving you. When you turn the film on and you watch him play and you're like, holy shit, there's no way this guy is this athletic. The facts are in. Okay. The polls are in. The results are in. Yes, he is this fucking athletic. Broke out at 18, 99th percentile. This dude was so good early on in college, but injuries just decimated his uh, second and third season. But don't be fooled why this guy was picked early on in the second round. This guy is the real deal, and you want pieces of this passing offense. So that being said, depending on what the injuries to the running back groups are, you know, who knows? Dalvin Cook might may, might get onto the injury list because that guy fucking died 32 times in this game. You want to talk about cats have nine lives. Dalvin Cook has 45 lives. Every He was the Deontay Johnson of this week of the running back group. Every time I look, his back was broken in half. The dude's got more fucking vertebrae than a jellyfish. Even though I don't think jellyfish have any fucking vertebrae. God damn. I'll tell you one. The biggest side effect of COVID is just your brain not working anymore. Uh, but Rondell Moore is the number one waiver wire ad this week outside of uh, more running back injuries to come. Rondell Moore... We saw the snap count go up from like 25% to 46%. It did not come at the expense of any of the wide receivers, which is interesting. They just ran for more four wide receiver sets. Uh, but he is so explosive. He led the team in targets, had more than DeAndre Hopkins. This dude is the real deal. So Rondell Moore needs to be a priority pickup in every league where he is available. On the flip side, KJ Osborne, I'm having a really hard time believing in him. Uh, KJ Osborne got free on a very long touchdown on broken coverage. So I'm still having a hard time. I, I'm i not picking up KJ Osborne unless I'm in like a 14-team league or unless I'm in a dynasty league. Justin Jefferson's still the clear one there. Adam Thielen continues to get peppered in the red zone. Kirk Cousins looking like a snack. So uh, all, all is normal in the Vikings front. You could obviously drop Tyler Conklin on the Vikings roster. The Falcons, I don't really want to talk about this. I, I guess we should talk about Corderell Patterson. I'm not I'm not panicking on either Kyle Pitts or Calvin Ridley. Both of them had fine fantasy days today. Matt Ryan is just so bad. He's just so bad right now. Like, do you think he ever gets tired of being this bad? It's like every third down, he doesn't complete it. He, oh, he's so bad. He's just, it's like the worst fucking thing I've ever watched on television. I'd rather watch the Game of Thrones finale than Matt Ryan over and over again. 
Mike Davis stinks too. Mike Davis, I'm hold. I could you could hold him for one more week if he has another terrible game. He's probably droppable. Cordell Patterson's really interesting because he's got wide receiver eligibility on most fantasy sites, and he's starting to get a lot of carries. And they're starting to use him really heavily in the passing game out of the backfield. Seven carries, eleven yards, scored a touchdown. Mike Davis only had nine carries, had thirty-eight yards. But Cordell Patterson had six targets, caught five of them for fifty-eight yards and a touchdown. He's being used creatively, which is about the only player being used creatively on the Falcons offense. Um, so Cordero Patterson is definitely a a running back or wide receiver to target because you could throw him as your wide receiver two or three role if you play in wide receiver three leagues. And he's looking like he's going to continue to get more and more snaps in the backfield of that Atlanta team. He had 35.4% of the snaps compared to 64.6 for Mike Davis, but he had four red zone carries compared to zero red zone carries for Mike Davis. Uh, targets and receptions, again, very heavily skewed towards Coral Patterson. Buck side. Uh, Ronald Jones, I'm going to be honest, Ronald Jones is, is droppable. You can drop Ronald Jones. You could drop Gio Bernard. Leonard Fournette, definitely usable as a desperate flex play. He is the RB1 to own back here. Again, does that matter? When Tom Brady's throwing the ball 36 times compared to just uh, 17 running back carries, more than double. Tom Brady, another five touchdown performance. Mike Evans eats this time. This is what's just going to happen, guys. Uh, Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown are just going to continue to switch off days. Godwin looks like the one to own there because he is consistent. Uh, he is running on all of the routes, and he is a very versatile player. Rob Gronkowski. Gronk is, is fucking just balling right now, man. Gronk is scoring touchdowns at a rate that's just unprecedented. Actually, Gronk is scoring touchdowns at a Gronk rate, and you love to see it. Uh, he's actually a sell-high candidate for me because, listen, the Bucks played the Cowboys and the Falcons, who are the worst passing defenses in the league. So if if Brady didn't throw up nine touchdowns against these two teams, I'd be worried. But he did, so I'm not worried. And uh, Gronk's touchdown number is going to start coming down. His, I mean, his overall usage has not been – it wasn't impressive in this one, four for 39 – but he caught the two touchdowns. Antonio Brown's numbers will come back up. But as we said in one of the last videos before the season, Brown is still the wide receiver three here by usage. When they're in 12 personnel, Brown is off the field. Sevens and Godwin. But just continue to expect these guys to, to carousel. So I would say like Evans and Godwin are both wide receiver twos. Antonio Brown's a flex play. You're going to have to expect a little bit of inconsistency out of him though. Cowboys and... The Chargers, Austin Eckler, for everybody who was worried about Austin Eckler's passing game usage, uh, literally the same thing happened last year, and it happened again. He had nine targets, so we're not worried. Mike Williams, stocks are fucking up, bro. Stocks are through the roof. Mike Williams, if you own him, congrats. You have a sh- extremely strong flex player slash wide receiver, too, to throw into your lineup every single week. No one else on this team really matters. Jared Cook, I thought was a nice tight end play. He did have a touchdown called back, which would have been a nice, uh, a nice little week for him, but Charger side of the ball, you keep just keep firing up Herbert, Allen, Williams, Eckler. Uh, Herbert Herbert's explosion day is fucking coming. Herbert's explosion day is really really close. Again, they're they are throwing the ball at a crazy crazy rate. As you could see, Herbert had forty one pass attempts. The running backs for the Chargers had a combined fourteen carries, forty one to fourteen. Uh, Herbert had multiple touchdowns called back. It's coming. The Herbert explosion game is going to be soon and it's going to be big. All right. So don't count out Herbert for a, uh, let's see what their upcoming schedule will look like. 
They got the Raiders, the Browns, the Ravens, the Patriots, the Eagles. So that Raiders game, Herbert might actually – oh, no, they have the Chiefs and the Raiders. Chiefs, Raiders, they might actually go – he might actually put up eight touchdowns over the next two weeks. On the other side of the ball, Dak, everyone kind of disappointed. This was a game that was supposed to score like 95 points. Uh, Tony Pollard and Zeke are splitting carries. Tony Pollard looks a lot better. Zeke still had 19 touches uh, for nearly 100 yards and a touchdown. So, again, I'm not worried about him. But they are splitting touches, all right? So Tony Pollard is more like Naeem Hines this year than anything else. 13 for 109, though. He's just an explosive player. It's hard to keep him off the field at this point. I still think Zeke is a low-end RB1 that will continue to get a lot of goal line carries, uh, et cetera, et cetera. C.D. Lamb's looking like the alpha in this offense. I believe Amari Cooper got hurt at the end of the game, but I don't think it's anything serious. Titans-Seahawks. We have... uh, I'm not really too worried about Tannehill yet. 350 passing yards, 30 yards on the ground, just didn't get into the end zone. Derrick Henry did what Derrick Henry does and make people that tell you to trade him away or that he's going to regress look like fucking morons like usual. Julio Jones, huge game. Um, Six for 128. Monster game at Julio looking like the old Julio. I think we're going to continue to see performances. Not like this, but I think Julio's fine. I think Julio's like, he should be in your lineup every single week. A.J. Brown is a buy-low candidate. Nine targets, led the team, just couldn't connect. He had a few uncharacteristic drops, which you just don't see at A.J. Brown. He actually had a really funny tweet earlier today. And I'm not going to pull up because I don't just I don't got the fucking time or energy right now. Whew. Derrick Henry, six catches for 55 yards. So it looks like Derrick Henry is taking A.J. Brown's spot as the, as the wide receiver two on this offense, and you hate to see it. Now, in all seriousness, though, A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf both by lows. Both big target days just didn't connect, didn't do what we wanted to see there. Uh, nothing else really to talk about here. Tyler Lockett, my lord, my lord. Um, continue to fire him and D.K. Metcalf up. Chiefs-Ravens, what a fucking game. What a game. Really happy to see Lamar Jackson and the Ravens pull this one out. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is doing exactly what a lot of you guys told me he wouldn't. I told you he would, uh, proving to us that he's just not that good as a player. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, this is one of my – the reason I really didn't target him anywhere was, you know, the range of outcomes is wide. He could stumble his way into 13 touchdowns this year, but he could also prove to us that he's just not a good football player or not that good of a running back. And it's exactly what he's doing. He's not getting targets. He's not, he doesn't have big playability because he's not fast. He's pretty slow. Sure. Every once in a while, he'll be on a fucking highlight play because he makes a guy miss, but he's just, uh, at this point, you know, uh, you're starting him as like a flex play, but you don't feel good about it. Travis Kelsey doing his thing. No, we're not worried about Tyree kill. He's fucking Tyree kill. Tyree kill is not fucking Tyree kill. Tyree kill just is comma fucking comma Tyree kill. Uh, so nothing else. I mean, this this offense is so condensed between Hill and Travis Kelsey. On the flip side, we saw a split there. Tyson Williams looks like the best back, but he continues to, to he continues to have fucking bonehead mistakes where he fumbles the ball on the goal line or misses a block or misses a really poor cut or something like that. The one surprise of this game, uh, I, I think you can probably continue to start Tyson Williams as like a pretty desperate flex play because he will lead the backfield in carries and continue to lead them in playtime. And he continues to actually get targets, which is kind of weird. He ended up having 93 total yards, two targets, two catches, 16 yards. But uh, the ceiling is just not there. Marquise Brown, man, has been pleasantly really, really good. Marquise Brown is a guy that you can continue to put into your lineups because he is seeing a really, really high target share. And I'm happy to see it. He was a guy that I kind of wrote off, to be honest with you. 
uh, after last year. I just thought we knew what we had in this. Uh, I think if Rashad Bateman was here, he'd be taking a lot of the targets, but but he's not, and he's going to miss more weeks. So Marcus Brown is a guy that I'm pretty, pretty, pretty high on right now. I mean, how can you not be? He's getting all the targets. He's making explosive plays. He's getting the targets downfield. So, um, that's what I got for y'all. I am very much out of energy, as you could probably tell. As you could see, I'm still dealing with the side effects from from COVID. Um, my rankings will be up this week, though. Don't worry. Thursday morning, first thing around noonish, they will be up on the on the site bdge.store forward slash community. Make sure if you enjoyed, you hit the thumbs up button. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Hopefully, someone put the timestamps in the description. But while you're down there, check out everything that I talked about. We will have waiver wire videos going up tomorrow, both running back and wide receiver. Uh, Go check out Cuts Clothing, cutsclothing.com forward slash big dogs. Use promo code big dogs for 15% off your purchase. Let me just make sure nothing wild is happening in the uh, in the comment section. Uh, okay, I'm out of here. I love y'all. Uh, every Monday we'll be doing this. Make sure you turn notifications on because we're doing a lot of live streaming this year. Huh. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.